um, encompass all of that, those into a play next Sunday. The kids will be doing the play. Um, and then if your heart is broken at this moment that you can't see the play, we will have a family night in here for all of you guys um, that can come and join in the second term. We'll do it on a Friday night or something, and then we'll come all together to do the play again, and we'll have some family fun. So please, next Sunday is specifically for the kids. They can bring their friends. Um, but if all of you guys also go there, uh, the walls will break, and then we'll have chaos. <laughs> so in terms of having order, we'll keep it here for you guys in the second term. So please make a note of that and invite anyone. It's going to be a play date like no other. So thank you. Awesome. Then also there's um, offering at the offering basket um, and tithes can also be paid into the bank account of the church. There is some cards there if you're unsure which bank account. There are different bank accounts. There are basically two. The one is the church account, um, which we would prefer you to pay in your tithes and offerings. And then we also have a body serve account, and that is for giving of alms, giving to the poor, especially those who are have need within the church. And, so, and also, if you want to bless somebody in the church, if you see somebody's going through a difficult time and you would like to, to bless them, we prefer that you actually pay that money into the body serve account with their name as a reference, their name and surname, or arrange it with us before the time with their name as a reference so that the church can bless the person and that that person is then not obligated towards you. Because often when we give and we bless people unintentionally, people then are obligated to return the favor. Uh, so we prefer that if you want to bless one another, do it through the body serve account, and um, then they can give God the glory for it. Great. Um, I want to continue on what I started off with last week. And if you missed last week, um, please um, do listen to the sermon. It puts some context. Um, I cannot revise too much. Um, but last week we asked the question, who of you would want to be mature, complete, and lack nothing? And obviously with great excitement, everybody raised their hands. Um, this, however, is, is not a um, sermon that one can easily digest. You have to chew. This is not milk. This is solid food. You have to chew a bit. So, so please do. Please take what is said, meditate through it, go through the scriptures prayerfully and consider um, what has been shared this morning. James 5 gives us the context how to become mature, complete and not lacking anything. It is something that we can all achieve. And we spoke about growing up spiritually from infants to young men to fathers. It's a process of growing spiritually until we become mature, complete, lacking nothing. And James says the following, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. 
If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. One of the ways we grow to become mature, complete, lacking nothing is to embrace suffering. So you need to prayerfully consider this because there are many doctrines out there that say that if you're a Christian, you will never suffer. And that if you follow Jesus, everything will always be blessed. But that's not biblical. That's not how we grow spiritually. As a matter of fact, not all suffering is outside of the will of God. Outside of His mercy and grace. And we are called to overcome it. To embrace it. Knowing it, it is a process that leads to maturity. And therefore, James says, count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. We looked at the fact that we have been saved by grace and are sustained by grace. But growing up spiritually is a process. And one way to grow up spiritually is through trials, tribulations, suffering, setbacks, and disappointments. Last week we also saw that not all suffering is outside of the will of God, but those who love God and are called according to His purpose, God will turn it for our good. And to grow spirit to, to spiritual maturity, we need to embrace, endure, and overcome trials and tribulations. And not all storms God is going to still. By His grace... At times, He still our storms. But at other times, He gives us grace to endure and overcome the storm. Go through the storm. That's all part of growing up spiritually. And so this process will not only lead to maturity, but also for us to be complete and lack nothing. And so if you understand the process, you will embrace it also. It's the life cycle of a Christian to grow up from infancy to maturity. To become spiritual mature, complete, lacking nothing. Now today I want to share four principles, four steps. And it is by no means um, exhaustive. It is not everything that can be said, but because I have limited time. And it was so difficult for me to try and condense these things. But I'm going to give it my best shot. Please forgive me if I'm a bit longer than usual. You might have to endure a trial this morning. <laughs> it will test your faith. But have perseverance, patience. That word in Greek, some translations say endurance. Others say patience. Others say steadfastness. It all is the same thing. The first thing that we need when we face a storm, a trial, tribulation, suffering, setback, disappointments in life, how do we navigate life when thing, things go wrong, when things are against us? The first thing that we need is the obvious thing. You need to have faith. You need to have faith. James writes to believers. He says, count it pure joy, brothers and sisters. He's speaking to Christians. Faith refers to the fact that we believe in God and in His revealed character. That is Hebrews 11 verse 6. 
Without faith it's impossible to please God, but those who come to God must believe that He is, He exists, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So central to in facing any storm, trial, or tribulation is our faith in God and in His character. That gives us great hope and courage to face any storm in life. Because we believe in God. And we know his character. How does this help us in our trials and tribulations? First and foremost, that God exists. It, It is powerful to know that there is a God. Secondly, that for God, nothing is impossible. No matter what you face in life, know for God... This is not impossible. For man, it is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. So when you face a storm, through your faith in God, not just his existence, but in his revealed character, we know that nothing is impossible for him. And here's what makes it significant for me and you, is the fact that not only that God exists and nothing is impossible for you, for him, he loves you. (laughs) He loves me. So I have not just a God, but a God that loves me, that says, I want you to call me Father. I love you. You are mine. So I belong to God. And another powerful thing about God's character that is connected to faith is the fact that God came to save us. God came to save us. He came to deliver us. He came to set us free. That is one of the revealed character's purpose and nature of God. It is His very nature to save, to redeem. That gives me great courage when I face a trial or a tribulation that God exists, He loves me, and His character is to save, to redeem. So we don't have a distant God that is apathetic to our suffering, but a God that sees our brokenness, our sinfulness, and and came to save us at great expense. And then, of course, part of this faith is the fact that God promised us eternal life, the ultimate deliverance. No matter what we face in this life, God says, I've come to give you eternal life. So even when we have to face death, we can face it with hope and courage, knowing that even death is not the end. God has come to save us even from that. That gives, that gives us great hope when facing trials and storms. Keep these five things in mind when you face your next trial. God is our deliverer. He is our shield. He is our strong tower. He is our savior. That is who God is. So I have great hope and joy when I'm facing a storm because I'm not doing this alone. And I know God loves me. Throughout history, God saves, delivers, and provides for his people. To this very day, he remains faithful. 
So the first step in facing trials and tribulations is faith. Faith in God. Faith that exists and that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James refers to this more directly from verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives all liberty without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him who ask, ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. It's a very interesting um, dynamic faith brings to our storms. Many times when we face trials, tribulations, and hardship, and suffering, we do not know how to deal with it. We do not know how to overcome it. We, we do not see the way out. And, and yet it's so encouraging. God says, but if you lack wisdom in the midst of your trial, ask me. Ask me for wisdom. And I will give without reproach. Literally, I will give without finding fault. I will not keep it again. I, I want to help you through the storm. Just ask me. But if you ask, you must believe. And it's not just referring in our faith in God. It is referring to our faith in His wisdom. Because God says, if you ask me, I will give you. But then you must believe what I give you. And this is often where we struggle because God's wisdom is not man's. If you're going through a trial and a storm and you ask God, what shall I do? How shall I deal with this? He will give you wisdom. The question is, do you believe it? Or are you doubting in God's word? Are you doubting his wisdom? Because if you doubt his wisdom, you will be like a wave tossed about like the wind does waves. And you will be double-minded and unstable in all your ways. The word says, do not think God's going to give you anything. And so we must not just have faith in God's existence and his character and nature. We must also have faith in his wisdom. Which is challenging because his wisdom is so contrary to this world. Because he might tell you to turn the other cheek. He might tell you to forgive. He might tell you to walk the second mile. Or to give double. And so when you ask God for wisdom, have faith in his wisdom. Another aspect of faith that helps me is the fact that we have been saved, redeemed, paid for by the blood of Christ and that we belong to him. It's a powerful aspect of faith. When we face storm, know that um, you, are, you are not your own. You do not belong to the world. You actually belong to God. You're not just his possession. God says, you're my child. <laughs> I am mindful of the suffering of my children. Oh, these past couple of weeks, I've gone through different things. Light affliction. 
in comparison to not making this team, not getting this result, and, and the turmoil they go through, and the pain and the, and the tears, I am not unaware of my children's suffering. Oh, oh, at times, I want to go to the teacher. <laughs> and I want to sort this out. But then I realize, look, this is part of life. My child needs to learn how to deal with disappointment. And even if it's unfair, how to grow through this. I cannot fight while I can. I should not fight all our battles. They are in high school now. They are growing up. What helps me when I face a storm is that I know I belong to God. He loves me. I'm his child. He is not unaware of what I'm going through. It gives me great joy because God is perfect. And he's wise. And he has a plan for my life. And that's to give me a future and hope, not to cause harm. And even though I have to go through hardship, because I love him and are called according to his purpose, he will turn it for my good. So I can face the storm. I'm not alone. 1 Corinthians 10 says, um, and it gives us insight into something. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose are in a hedge. Okay, there's a limit to what the teacher can say, say to my child. There is a limit. And, and, and so when we are called according to God's purpose and love him, we are in his family and we are hedged. 1 Corinthians says the following, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape. That you may be able to bear it. No matter what I face, I know I'm not alone. He loves me. He's going to use it for my good. And I can bear this because there's a hedge around me. He will either give me the grace to overcome this or give me a way of escape. But I can bear this because of who he is. Yeah? We know those scriptures and we're going to get to that. I can do all things through. Is it my own strength? And we'll get to that later on. I mustn't run ahead of time. He is faithful. There is a hedge around your life. Even in the life of Job. We see this. We see God placed a hedge around his life. And restored to him. Everything that was taken from him. As an example to us. We read in, in James 5. Are you still with me? Are you still chewing? This is not milk. You must do this. Yeah? James 5 continues to say, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, 
take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How he is compassionate and merciful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. His will is perfect. And I belong to him. He has saved me from hell. And I'm going to heaven. What happens in between cannot compare to that. This is an important mindset that helps us grow to become mature, complete, lacking nothing. When we understand, we are just passing through. And God's plan is perfect for my life. I do not understand all things, but I understand and believe who He is. Gives me great hope and courage to overcome and endure. God is perfect or powerful. He knows what he is doing and he will turn it for your good. That is Romans 8. Faith is the first step. This leads us directly to the second step. The second step is this. Know that your faith will be tested. You will go. I will go. We all will go through trials, tribulations. Not just because it's a broken world and there's sinners out there and we have our own sin. It is part of the process. We will go through it. Know that your test, your faith will be tested. 1 Peter 4 says the following. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though something strange happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of, the suffer of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. This is a challenging scripture. It's even more challenging in the context in which it was written. This is two, three years before Nero started his persecution of the Christians. The worst persecution Christianity has ever faced. What does the Holy Spirit say to the church? Say to the church two years before Nero starts. Do not find it strange when it happens. You've got to chew this. You've got to chew this. If you understand and embrace this, it will grow you to become mature, complete, lacking nothing in this life. Whenever storms come, you will embrace it with great joy, knowing that this is going to change me to become something far greater that leads to great glory waiting for me. What you believe about God in your trial, your tribulation, your suffering, whatever you believe about God will be tested. And the longer your suffering, your trial, your tribulation continues, the more your faith will be tested. It's just how it works. 
I mean, it's easy to say, I often say, it's easy to say that God is my provider, Jehovah Jireh, when all the income comes in, and I have far more income than expenses. Hallelujah, God is great. It's a different story when the income stops. Is God still my provider? If that continues, I start to question, does God love me? If that continues, I start to question, does God love at all? If that continues, I start to question, does God exist? You see, our faith gets tested in adversity, not in prosperity. It gets tested in adversity. Know this, all of our faith will get tested of what sort it is. And it gets tested through trials and tribulations. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith, your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested by yourself, the devil, and others. It will question everything you believe about God as you navigate life. It's part of the process. It will be tested. And if you know that, you can prepare and embrace it. One Peter one verse six says, "In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." Side note, when is the praise, the glory, and the honor? This life or the next? Understand this. God delivers, God provides, God vindicates. He blesses, he provides in this life. But our reward is not here. If you have an expectation that all your honor, glory, and joy is going to be in this life, you'll get offended in Christianity. And many do. That's not what God promises us. He's a deliverer, He's a provider, and He gives and He blesses. But ultimately, our reward is not this life. It is in the life to come. Remember that when you face loss in this life. If you understand this, it's like training for a race, a marathon, the comrades. Part of training is mental. You know you're going to suffer. Therefore, you prepare for it. <laughs> it's like going to the army. I was an instructor. This is not a vacancy plus. I'm going to make you suffer. You are going to suffer here, boy. I don't care if you're rich or poor. I don't care if you're long hair or short hair. I will make you all the same. And you're all going to suffer. Because we are preparing you for war. So that when you face suffering, you will not run away. But you will endure, overcome, and win. So that the glory of victory will be yours. So we're going to prepare you. That's what we do. We prepare you so that you are ready when you face 
war. You will not run away. But you have been conditioned to embrace hardship. That's why we train as athletes. <laughs> we, we, we train our bodies to endure hardship so that we can finish the race. Who have you tried to run a marathon without training? I didn't run a marathon. I did the, 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 the Atakwas without training. Hallelujah. 120 k's. I think it was from outswearing to George. But that year I was unfit and I thought, ah, you know, I'm a good cyclist. I'll do it anyway. Now it's not nice to suffer if you're not prepared for it. But it's amazing if you know and you're prepared. How, how there's actually great joy in overcoming hardship and suffering. I mean, that's why people do endurance sport. The thrill of overcoming <laughs> all the obstacles, all the suffering, making it to the end. It's just, there's just a thrill in it. And then you do it again. It's like any sportsman will tell you that. We just do it again. We've just done one stage race and we, we can't wait to do the next one. Because there's a thrill in overcoming. There's great joy in seeing the profile. And all the climbs. There's great joy in it. But faith must be tested. Whether it's genuine or not. That's why Jesus said you must count the cost. Um, 1 Peter says, In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith there's lots of things that goes through, and we've heard lots of sermons about gold being purified through fire. But the whole point is, is this genuine or not? Yes, there brings up a lot of impurities, and there's lots of things that we can say about it. But the bottom line is, faith gets tested to see if it's real or not. Do you really believe? And we all need to face that. Our salvation was not cheap. And our ultimate reward is eternal life. In the next life. Faith is not cheap either. It will be tested. And it must rewane. Otherwise, you will not receive the prize. It's reality of Christianity. Anything else will lead you to get offended. Our salvation came at great cost. God gave his only son. So that whosoever believe have eternal life. It's by grace. Whosoever believes. But if you say you believe, it will be tested. One Corinthians nine, verse twenty four to twenty seven. Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes is for the prize is temperate in all things. 
Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself may become disqualified. That leads me to step three. The testing of your faith leads to endurance and steadfastness and patience. Not only the ability to endure, but not to be moved or to give up. That's endurance, steadfastness. We spoke a lot about this last week. Two phases of training, preparation and transformation. Um, Preparation in disciplining my body, preparing my body for the hardship that it's going to face. But also transformation. That's one of the joys of exercise. You get thinner. <laughs> There's a transformation that takes place. One, one of my greatest motivators um, is when I stand on the scale. And I see, shucks. I need to do something. And one of the greatest joys in exercise, after a while, unfortunately... <laughs> Only after a while, I start to see a change. Something changes. I become lighter, toner. I have more energy. I sleep better. I focus better. And there's so many benefits. But there's a change that takes place. It's part of exercise. Preparation, Matthew 24 says, And many will be offended will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. This is the reality of the world and the Christian world. As we live in the last days, this will become more and more evident. So we are being prepared to overcome all these things. Many will fall away the moment hardship comes. And we see that sadly often. Matthew 13, Jesus said in the parable of the sower, how the kingdom of God works. He says, so that what was sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately he falls away. Part of embracing and overcoming suffering and trials and tribulations is to prepare us, to make us steadfast, resilient. It's just the reality of the kingdom. There's preparation, but then there's also transformation. If your faith can remain steadfast through the trials and the tribulations, we change. When we face the trials and tribulations in life and we endure, something happens. We change. And ultimately, the more that change takes place, it leads to maturity, completeness, completeness, not lacking anything. Ultimately, it leads us to become more Christ-like. As we overcome. 
I, I did a sermon series on that a number of years ago. Overcomers. God calls us to overcome. That's the Christian life. You will overcome him. By the blood of the lamb. The word of your testimony. And you did not love your life unto death. You overcome. The whole, the whole um, writing to the six churches in Revelation is always, but he who overcomes, but he who overcomes, but he who overcomes. We are called to overcome. Uh, God is not, God is like, um, now I must be careful. God is more like, um, who's this guy that does, now I must be careful if I like him to a man. God wants us to overcome. And, and part of his character and nature is to train us to overcome. Satan, you wanted to destroy them. Well, I will raise them up and they will destroy you. They will crush your head. They will overcome you. By the blood of the lamb, what I have done, the word of their testimony and the fact that they're willing to endure even in the face of death. That will overcome you. That's who God is. I love you. I feed you. I, I cherish and, and I love. But I want you to toughen up and overcome. Preparation. But also transformation. If your faith remains steadfast. You become more like Christ. When we are facing storms. We are not facing it alone. Yeah. God is with us. And yes, the one of the most powerful things for me when I'm facing a storm is that I know that God has gone before me. When I'm going through a difficulty and I get to the end of myself, emotionally, spiritually, physically, I call on a God that is not apathetic. And I call on a God who is not distant and who cannot relate to my weakness, my brokenness, and my sinfulness. I call on a God who became man, lived amongst us, in our weakness and frailty, took on a form of a man, and lived amongst us, was faced with every temptation, every hardship, every sickness, every sin, betrayal, suffering. He went through it all. He went before me to the very end. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat at the right hand of God. He was focused. That's the God that I serve. So when I'm going through a trial, you know what's giving me great courage? I can ask a God who knows. He knows. He knows what it means to be betrayed. He knows what it means to suffer. He knows all these things. And so when I call on him, he understands. This is amazing. He relates. He says, I know, I've been through it. Follow me. I'll show you how. It gives me great courage, no matter what I face. And this is the great thing that we have in Christianity. We have the only faith of a God making himself vulnerable and dying. No other religion has that. They think, What's, what, what is this? This is our power. <laughs> Christ came to redeem us. And we are now in him, the last Adam, a new way. 
And he's poured his spirit in us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, to enable us to follow his example. So there's nothing that I cannot overcome with Christ. He's with me. He knows. And when we're going through the storm, at times when we come to our personal, emotional, physical, and spiritual end, we, we come to the limit of what I can do. And this is what I love about a storm. When I come to the limit of what I can do, I can go to my knees and say, Lord, help me. I cannot anymore. I need you now. I need you to come and change me. Because I can't do this anymore. Help me. Show me how. And then God's grace enables us to do a little bit more than what we could before. And I change. I become a little bit more like Jesus when I follow his example. I said, Lord, in this case, Lord, what must I do? Then he says, remain silent. I said, Lord, but that's not, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point, my son. It's not you. So I want you to remain silent. Yeah, but Lord, this is, no, no, that's not the point. I want you to follow my son's example. Follow me. Remain silent. Trust me. And then I change. I learn something. I've grown something. Yeah? And the more you go through storms and the more you change, when you come to your end, you say, God, help me. The more you change and the more you see the change, and it's almost like you're getting fitter and, and, and skinnier and you have more energy and you sleep better and you see all the benefits of it. You say, are we going to train again today? Count it pure joy. Because you know that it produces something in you that leads to maturity completeness lacking nothing. This makes us completely different to the world. If you have a people, if you have a people, when they see a storm coming, they are not afraid and they rejoice. What is this thing now? EFF. Hallelujah. If you see a storm coming, you have a people that is not afraid. But embrace it with great joy. Putting their hope and faith in God, asking Him to lead us through it. It makes us completely different to the world. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. Because we follow Jesus. Yeah? When we go through suffering, it's the same thing. We ask God to help us, to change us. And it leads us to great joy. And my time's up. And I'm only halfway through. <laughs> That's why you must come to the second service. <laughs> Servants. Yes, this is challenging. Skin Peter. Three years before the Nero starts. What does the Holy Spirit say? Servants, be submissive to your own, ma our own masters with all fear. Not only the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. A harsh slave master in those days didn't abuse you emotionally. Be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If 
because of consciousness towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if you were beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. If you have this mindset when you face injustice, you will be mature, complete, and lack nothing. And with great joy, you will embrace it. <laughs> Going to Christ, he knows he's been through it all. And he can relate to our brokenness and weakness. He was tempted in every way. We can ask him for grace and follow his example. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run the race with endurance that was set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the same, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Ask him, he will help you. Last point, count it pure joy. Count it pure joy. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know the one that I follow? He's already overcome everything. And he, and he prepared me. He warned me. He said, Listen, yeah, this is what's going to happen. But when it happens, be of good cheer. <laughs> I've overcome the world. Because we're not living for this world. Our reward is not in here. It is waiting for us. So with this mindset, we become a city on a hill, different to the world. And I want to end up with this. 1 Peter 3, 13. And, he who, and who is he who will harm you if because... Be, oh, okay. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense for everyone who asks for the reason for this hope that is in you. Why are you so different? Be ready to give an answer. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God. To suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for our sins. The just for the unjust. That he may bring us to God. Being put death in the flesh. But made alive by the spirit. Amen. Last scripture. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under the trial. For when he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life. Which God has promised those who love him. Amen. Do not be afraid. <laughs> Count it pure joy. Ask God for his grace. When you come to the end, first ask him for his wisdom. When you come to his end, ask him to change you. And you will become more like him and overcome. Amen.
and great will be your reward waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for life. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you that you send your son to give us a way to follow that leads to eternal life. That way is Jesus. Thank you when we come to our end, you know. That's why you came. You've given us your spirit to change us, to be transformed into the likeness and the image of your son. It is the purpose of coming. Thank you, God, that even when we come to our end, it is not the failure. It is the beginning of change. And so, Lord, when we come to our end, thank you that we can come to you who understand, who are merciful and compassionate, who has grace. And your grace is made perfect in my weakness. So when I come to my end, I know this grace for me to change me. Thank you for that grace. Thank you it leads not just to maturity and completeness in this life. It leads to great reward. Thank you for this hope that you've given us. We ask that you'll help us to overcome. In Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. If you